a, a slow, meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. We're with Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivich. Josh Kerr. David Rivich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivich. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, David Ribich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we're sitting and kicking it with, you know, your bonus boys. Uh, we tried to take a break, but just like when Dave's not putting out in bed for his uh, midnight fun with his missus, uh, when they keep begging for more, you just got to give it to him. Ain't that right, Dave? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say this is a, supposed to be PG. I think my mom's going to listen to this and waiting till marriage is one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're unable to see the actual video. And on the video, Josh is currently shirtless and has a hat on backwards. So to kind of even out the playing field, I'm going to one sec. Oh, you're going to go bodies with me right now? We're going skins? Oh, wow. That's going to be a nightmare. I got a new, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Fun fact on a podcast, you can't bucket hat um, underneath headphones. Yeah, that's tough. Where'd you get the bucket hat? You trying to copy me, dude? No, you're trying to copy me, man. I got a bucket hat. You know, you're trying to sell lawn chairs. Just wait till the sit and kick David Ribich bucket hats come onto the merch line. You know that my bucket hat on my on my post was is part of the look, dude. Your bucket hat on the post is part of the look. And being a audio podcast, we can look however we want. Who knows? Maybe no. I don't even have pants on right now. That's true. Maybe. So anyway, Dave, that. I haven't seen oh. you in a bit, man. It's been it's been fucking time. So how's life? Life is good. I mean, we're in a new location. Olivia and I have moved in together. We just got word this morning that we've got approved to come pick up a dog on August 8th. So we'll be oh, going wow. to Billings, Montana to go get a little pupperoo. That'll be fun. Um, you know, not going to get old, engaged. Dude. Not getting engaged anytime soon. You are getting um, old. And you have a son in there as well, right? You used I, to have one in there. I do, yeah. Uh, currently, my son's name is Walid Suleiman. Uh, he's been living with us for about two weeks now. Um, we've been showing him the lay of the land and, uh, he is going to go back to Mississippi until the fall and then come back and get ready to train with the big boys. So yeah, he's been living with us here. It's been great. Um, but yeah, Josh, I really haven't seen you in a while. The only times I've seen you, um, is never, I haven't seen you since. Yeah. yeah I haven't really seen you in some time. Oh, yeah, and for context. You guys Josh is chewing on a gold chain. You know who's been wearing a gold chain longer than Josh? Me. So you know who's going to shave his head for the for the uh, games that the, for the competition that may exist in the month of July. With the rings, the, the ring the games, one with the the ring games. I think that's called Wipeout. It's on Fox. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll get into what Rule Forty means here in a moment. Um, but yeah, Josh, I have not seen you in a while, and kind of miss you. Kind of. Uh, I've changed, man. It's really getting to my head. If you thought I was big headed before, I turn up to a podcast with my shirt off, a gold chain on. You know, I'm a I'm a bad man. You know, I'm really letting people in my ear and tell me on the big dog, and I'm I'm accepting it. And I need Dave to bring me down a couple notches if I'm being honest. You're the big dog. You're the you're the dog eating hot chips kind of guy. I am, man. I am. That's 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 the kind of personality I want to be showing out here. But that's just uh, yeah. I should probably slow it down a little bit. Maybe. I mean, it's not going to get your head any bigger, but let's go ahead and talk about some logistics. So because um, Josh, quickly, we're going to go over some um, guidance of things that we're going to talk about over this podcast. And I'm just going to do a blanket statement for what rule 40 is. Um, and essentially rule 40 is a rule that's held up by the IOC that is supposed to provide equality for athletes competing at 
um, competitions um, that are major championships, i.e. the ones that are going to be happening at the end of this month for, um, for what would I want to say? Professional reasons we're not going to mention, and I'll just use it as a statement now. We're not going to use the words Tokyo, Olympics, Olympian, Team Great Britain, or any of those things. And this is more of a disclaimer, just simply to abide by the rules of Rule 40. Um, I would recommend you guys look up what Rule 40 is if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty detail. But essentially, the, the rule was Im implemented to try to bring out an equal opportunity for countries going to a major championships to where that athletes that don't have individual sponsorships or individual um, source of income, they are then essentially equal to those athletes that do. So nobody can do any posting. So let's, for example, let's say um, Kosh Jur um, is competing in the men's 100 meter butterfly and Ravid Dibic is right next to him. Ravid Dibic is from Greece and um, this really confused me. Kosh Jur is from Canada. So Kosh Jur is on a lot of money and he's got a lot of sponsors, got a lot of backing and he would love to thank his sponsors. He'd love to thank his promoters, but Ravid Dibic doesn't have anything. So what they do with rule 40 and the reasoning behind rule 40 supposedly is that they want to equal the playing field. Nobody can thank their sponsors. Everyone at the, the games is there for the games and nothing else. And outside sponsors can't, can't essentially promote their athletes because they want the athletes at the games to just be the athletes themselves. And so that's where the origin is. So what we're going to do in this is we're not actually going to cover anything about the upcoming Olympic games, still a disclaimer. Um, and if that is something that you look forward to listening to, well, funny enough, um, in about a few weeks time, I'm going to have a guest on here. Um, should I name drop them, Josh, or no? No, I would hold on to that one. Okay. Uh, she's going to come on here. She's a, a previous Olympian. She's going to come on here and she's going to break down a lot of the races that are leading up into uh, the competitions here at the end of the month and starting early August. And her and I are going to have a, a, a gay old time working on making the best um, hype we can for Josh and the rest of the, the people there. Um, so yeah, that's a disclaimer for rule 40. We're not going to really break down anything leading into the future, but what we did come onto this podcast to do is talk about the past. And so that's exactly what we are going to do now in this exact moment. Josh, that was, that was difficult. It's very difficult to talk about something that you're not allowed to say specific words, which exactly describes something. Yeah. And yeah, I think, you know, pretty much if, if these companies aren't, sponsoring the event and they can't really talk in this is moment that's pretty much the breakdown so of we, it this this is when we come out and say the sit and kick podcast did not sponsor the upcoming we games. didn't think it was um we didn't think it was worth it we we thought it would definitely gain us too much money um, yeah, too to, much money to do that and you know i was like it didn't really make sense so we just kind of left it but um speaking we, of money let me let me yeah, let me say speaking of money you guys are going to be able to give us more money because there will be a shirt being released here very, very soon once the printing is done. That here's the here's the hint. It involves some Japanese lettering. It involves a decal of Josh, and it involves your favorite, a lawn chair. So just be on the ready, be on the lookout for that. Um, that's coming out. I'm not going to Tokyo. I I unfortunately have to say that aloud. So I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. There is nothing about Rule 40 that applies to me. But for the sake of transparency, we're gonna go ahead and just leave it at that. Um, I'm also shirtless podcasting and while just walked into the room, go ahead and grab your stuff. Josh, let's lead up into the real talk. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I just want to know more about your experience at, 
at uh, the US Championships. And to be honest, like obviously I've never been to one. My goal was to go like once the UK champs was over to like fly over and try and help as much as I could um, in any way, shape or form. But my chance were at the end of your champs as well. So I just want to know what that that day to day looked like and how that experience was for you. Obviously, you ended up running the 15. Uh, maybe in the future you'll be running the 5k however you decided to run the 15 and uh, it worked out pretty well you got yourself in a pretty good spot and, and made yourself to the final so what was what was the emotions like what was that whole experience like because that's your first olympic trials correct yeah that is my first olympic trials i mean in 2012 i was 16 in the stands getting autographs from guys i competed against 2016 i was sitting up there um, in the bleachers watching people make teams and then yeah, this go around, I had a front row seat for it. Um, and to be honest, Josh, I haven't really talked about this a whole lot with people outside of our team. Um, I was going to scratch the 15. I didn't get into the 5K. Interesting. I was the first guy out of the 5K. Um, so I didn't know what event I was running until the morning of the prelim. Really? We were, we were waiting for the fields to be released and like finalized. And then the Thursday morning, I wasn't on the 5k sheet. So then I was like, all right, Danny, we're doing the 15. So it wasn't actually up to me to do that event, but I was so go with the flow and flexible that I just was like, I texted my agent. I text and I told Danny, I was like, Hey, we came here to run 5,000 meters. I'll have to settle for 4,500 meters, you know? And, and I actually had a good amount of confidence going into that race and, and that whole weekend when I'm like, regardless of what event I'm in, I'm going to make the final. And regardless of what event I'm in, I'm, I'm going to go for a team. And for me, going into the trials to run the 5k felt a little bit more jaded because I would have not made that team specifically because I would have not have ran the standard at the championships. The reality of the situation with the weather, with everything building up the way it was, it would have been very difficult to run under 13, 13 at the championship because it would have been solo effort. We would have had guys in a tactical affair. Whereas you look at the 1500, it's such a crab shoot that the winning time was still 335 mid. So if that would have been faster, if I would have been smarter, you know, maybe that could have still been a dream. Like a 1% chance of me making that team was worth fighting for in that event in the 1500. So yeah, dude, the, the U.S. trials experience overall as a weekend was the best, best weekend of my life in the sport. I, I certainly had a falter there at the final. And I think some of that just came with like the mental fatigue and lack of preparation for me to be in that specific moment where when I saw us go through pretty slow through the first 800. Um, I lost that momentum and that headspace that I needed to just compete. And then that's how quickly things can slip away. And so I kind of relapsed a little bit there, not like giving up, but just not giving myself a clear shot. Um, and that hurts. But at the end of the day, like I wasn't slated to make that final. Um, and I competed the way that I wanted to compete for the last three years in the first and second round. So if I can piece that together for another three and a half minutes, over the course of the next eight years of my career, um, I'll be sitting pretty. So yeah, I, um, I, I've told everyone that that's the best experience of my life. Um, and I absolutely loved the second round running 338. And we're going to get into some fan submitted questions um, soon. But when I ran 338, I laughed because like that did not feel like a second off my PB. Like it just felt so tactical. I felt so controlled that like, I'm really looking forward to that opportunity where I can try to run fast. And so yeah, trials was good. Didn't make the team, obviously. Um, but overall, it, it was something that I wouldn't want to trade for anything. And I'm very, very happy I did the 15 instead of the 5K. I think if I had the 5K, we'd be having a very different headspace and conversation right now about how that weekend went. I think I would have finished higher in the 5K, but I would have learned a lot less. And so 
moving forward, yeah, likely is I will be doing 5Ks at the championships as long as I'm not the dummy that's the first one out. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Um, it was super fun to be in my home state. People from all over the the state drove over to to watch me, and we did a, a big picture at the end of the final. I think there was like 30 or 40 people that were there. You had an army me. there, huh? We had an army, and it was really cool because it was like a big culmination of people that have seen my career progress from sixth grade all the way up to my professional career. And so seeing that all those people come together for a common reason and, and cheer for me, I think is something that's really, really cool. And if you want like a caption of how the, the Olympic trials went for me, just go to my Instagram and it's the the last photo of the Olympic trials. And it talks about how I got a text from my friend. And I think that that text from my friend is the epitome of the weekend of just like a lot of people rooting for me. I'm not going to brag, but the stadium was really loud when they cheered for me. And I thought like, this is freaking cool. Actually, no, yeah. this is fucking cool. Like this is euphoric. And, you know, Josh, I don't want to tell you this now, but a lot of people were yelling. I was the better host. I was in the the wild duck or ugly duck or whatever it's called after the whole weekend, multiple parties of people came up to me and said, listen to the podcast. Absolutely love it. And you're the better host for verbatim. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. And then they said, like, if Josh is so good, why wasn't he here? And I didn't really yeah. want to break that down because they were intoxicated. But yeah, trials were good for me, Josh. Let's bounce it over to the weaker team to make. Um, how was your trials? Um, how was the UK? Um, it was it was good. End of statement. Not joking. It was no, it was fun, man. It was it was a really fun experience. It was like everything was just smooth and you hardly get that. But the reason that I was able to get that is because like you, you were mentioning before, I was like very fluid in the way that I moved um, through everything. Like if there was cancellations, like I have a backup and my team around me has a, a backup plan in case something happens. Like I, to, to show you how smooth it was, I got given a, a key to a track that only I was allowed to use from some lovely woman in, in Manchester. We just turned up to a track. It was locked. I asked if I could get on and she said, here's a key that you can have for the week. Like that's how smooth it went. And it, it just like, there was, there was parts of the week. Like I got to see my family for the first time in 18 months. I got to see my brother for the first time in a couple of years. Um, and like everything was just coming together really nicely my fitness was great. Everything was, was super smooth. And of course there's lots of pressure there when it comes to a race that you're, you're trying to make a team that only, only comes up every four years or five years at this point. And um, there's pressure there, but there was just th that, that sense of ease of like, we're prepared. So like if, if I get beaten, it's because people are better than me, not because I'm not in a good spot and if something crazy has happened. And that was a nice sense of like ease. Um, and it meant that I could just throw everything at that final and, and kind of see what came up. But I'm not going to lie to you, 200 meters into the final, I, I knew I'd made the team already. I just wanted to make sure I won the race. Um, I knew I'd be top two. I just felt so strong and, and my positioning actually I felt was, was pretty phenomenal. I was able to stay on the rail with, with Whiteman on my right, who I knew would open that door um, of my box as, as soon as a move went or if, if, if he made that move, I could just follow him. So I just stayed relaxed and let the let the race happen for a couple of laps and stayed aware, stayed awake. But I was like, you know, when the hammer comes, it's it's going to come down pretty hard. Uh, 300 to go. I went down the back stretch and started moving up. And I was like, okay, I'm going to move up to about second or maybe sit on the shoulder. 
and I eased up past and I was like, is this as fast as we're going right now? Like if this is your gears, then, then you're about to get a hell of a shock. So I dropped the hammer pretty hard with 250. Um, I knew that Whiteman would come back because um, Danny said to hold another gear for 50 meters to go. And then, yeah, we just battled down that home stretch and, and I just threw the old nips at the line and, and the rest was history. Really, it was, it was a really fun battle that I've had with, with Whiteman <laughs> way too many times, but it's normally for second place rather than first. So it's, uh, it's a nice feeling getting get my first, my first senior title in the UK. And um, yeah, a lot less stressful than US trials. We only had two rounds. My first round was nice and easy. Ran 60s, ran 344. And uh, went home, smashed some dinner, had a, had a sleep, and got up and, and and made the team. So, yeah, it was it was pretty smooth, man. I think it was. Uh, it's just so different. They're, they're they're massively different trials. It's the same with every country. No one has an a, as an intense trials as as the U.S. And I want to make a statement about what I I said in in previous episodes about the U.S. versus the U.K. I genuinely believe that the U.K. have some fantastic runners, and we're very strong. And I think we're we're better than the US man on man. I think the US team is harder to make. I think the US title is easier to get. Mm. How about that? I okay. believe I would have won the US title. Yeah, rightfully. Um, I think I think Whiteman would have won the US title. But I think from a general standpoint of like give a give the six best UK Fatianomia runners and give the six best US Fatianomia runners. I think you guys are deeper where it's harder to make a team like through the rounds like watching you guys through the rounds. It was like, there's no dilly dally. And it's like, you got to be on and you got to turn up and, and, and fight for your position, um, which is tough um, to do in any, any situation, but in this situation, pretty tough. And so, yeah, making the team, I think is harder in the U S I just think getting the title is probably harder in the UK. All right, fair enough. We'll, we'll meet in the middle there, uh, and I'm sure that the the fans and the and the people listening to this will have their opinions about that. And you guys need to submit your guys' responses, submit your guys' explanations on <laughs> I'm just which trying side to annoy you believe. Americans, in. man, that's uh, all. I'm but here to do. you're you're good at it. You're good at annoying Americans. You're also good at rallying the UK uh, militia. What are you guys, the Minutemen behind you? Um, <laughs> but what I will say too, Josh, about your championships is even though you haven't flattered me once about mine, is that you were so uncharacter uncharacteristically composed in the back of a field every time that anyone listening to this podcast has probably seen you race it's been near the front or on the front or from the gun taking the race away for this the entire year you have led every single race that you've been in and or competed at the front if it's an off event we'll give you some um wiggle room there in the 5k and 800 but in every 1500 you've been in you've dominated from the front from the gun and you've put the the pedal to the metal and stomped on people's throats but in this race, you were literally in a boxing match for a good 800 meters. And when I watched the race over, I was like, I don't know why I was still so confident in you being literally in a spot you haven't been in all year, knowing that like when that opportunity opens up, it's going to look very familiar to a lot of people and a, not a lot of room is going to be left to run. And that's where you're going to be able to execute. And so I, I'm not going to applaud you. I'm not going to you know bow down to you. If I was next to you, I would five star you on the back and make sure like your skin burned from a high five on the, the open flesh that you're exposing. But you you ran like you've been there before and you you ran like you've won the senior championships before, even though that was your first championship win. And so I kind of wanted to ask, too, like, what was that preparation mentally like? Because physically, you're one of the best in the world. And you know that I know that everybody knows that. But mentally, this was a big step up from where you were in 2019. Yeah, I would say so. I think it, 
that comes from a lot of places. I think, you know, we got held on the line for the, for the final, um, for like four minutes, like, and if you've ever stood on a line for a race, like four minutes is a really, really long time. Um, and so for me, like the longer I stood there, the more confidence I was getting, I was like, because I, 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 I've recently implemented like mantras on my days. So like, I would just repeat a couple of words to myself. I'm not going to share what those words were, but like you, you just, I, yeah, I, I can't really like explain it very well, but like I was just standing there and the confidence was growing, growing, growing. Cause I, my first round, I felt terrible. Like, you know, I ran from the front and it was really windy and it was cold and I didn't have any caffeine. And uh, it was just one of those things where it's like, Oh, I just want to be in the final. Like it's the first round is kind of pointless to me. Like, I just want to do my job and go home and because it we our first round was at like 8 p.m at night and our second round the next day was at 3 p.m and so we had a pretty short kind of turnaround and so that first round i was I just kind of felt like Ugh, it is what it is like um and i felt pretty crappy so i just had to kind of mask that a little bit and um, by just smiling and, and laughing a little bit because i just try to laugh it off but so the confidence going home after that i was a bit annoyed myself so i had to talk to danny and be like why is this happening we kind of talked about it with each other but to me, to me, like this whole championship, what I've got written in my, in my gym and my whiteboard is like, I think it's like 5,286 days. And that's the days since my first ever race, since I was nine years old to the Olympic trials final. And it's like, if you can't figure out how the fuck to race in five, five and a half thousand days, then you, what the hell are you doing here? So like I went through my years and watched the, the way I raced all the way through years because yeah, I've only raced one, two hundreds this year before the trials, but it was just like, I just gathered that experience from every single thing that I did. And I was like, okay, the way that I should run this is not from the front because it doesn't make sense because there's wind and you're just there to be shot at. And I was going to take about 600 to go. And I was like, you know what? No, no one's going to feel as good as me right now. I, I just feel so good. I'm comfortable in this position. I'm going to be able to get out of this box if I need to. And, and let's just go for it when it's time to go. But also, people thought I was going to take up a 600 to go. I spoke to White Man after result. That's, that's what I was going to question as well. Yeah. Is I guarantee there is a panic button and a calm mode where they're like, okay, shit, Josh isn't here. Josh isn't yeah. in the front. What's going on? You've been a guy that's controlled so many races that like the biggest race plan that you had was probably not doing exactly what they thought you were going to do. Yeah. It's like, and, and that's the game of chess that you play. And, and not to say that those guys play checkers, but it's like when you, when you're racing against people that you think you're familiar with, they do one off thing. And then you're thrown off your own game. It's just a testament of like, just do your own thing. And that's exactly what you did. Yeah. I think there's, there's an element of like who I'm racing as well. So like without, um, Gurley and without, um, O'Hare, uh, without i would say grice at his peak um so i was really just racing whiteman at his peak um so for me he i knew he thought i was going to go with 600 to go so i have to just throw curveballs in there because yeah recently when i've been in 1500 meter racing it's whatever i want to do is that's how the race pans out like um and so people just expect that but yeah i, I want to be someone that can do lots of different things and if it, it was probably a, a dumb decision to try and out sprint a 144 low guy. Um, but it worked Nobody out. will match the foot speed of Jake Whiteman. <laughs> I know. Right. But I mean, I love Jake and I think we had a, we had a really good battle and, and, you know, I, I, I really hope that we're, 
we are both on the medal stand in Tokyo and I have a lot of respect for what he does. But in my mind, the way that my training had been going, I ran a 20, what did I run it? I think I ran like a 22, eight, 200 on the Thursday. And I was like, all right, I can do this. Like, and then race the Friday. And then on Saturday, I was like, I, I can close with anyone. You did and, a 22, eight in your pre-meet. Yeah. Uh, my pre-meet is kind of like, well, I was like, I can explain it. I just go for like a 30 minute jog. Uh, we do drills. We sometimes do med ball work and like a bit of a plyo circuit. And then I do two, two hundreds, one easy, one hard. And then I do uh, a couple of starts and stuff just to get the legs moving. So it's quite funny. I looked through my train diary and it was like the start of season, my hard 200 was like 25 and then it was 24 and then it was 23 and then I got 22. So I worked my way through all five races, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I think you just, in these big situations, you got to muster your, your knowledge and your information that you get all the way throughout the years in your sport to make the right decisions. Like those are the kind of times you've got to go back and analyze previous races through your whole career and see what works best for you rather than what's working best for you that year. Because yeah, I didn't race a lot. And so I, I couldn't try lots of different things because I just wanted to run fast. But like you were saying, I ran the 5k. I ran the 5k so that I could learn how to fight through a really hard ballsy race, which was, which was what I did. And then, then that 800, it was like, figure out how to run from the back a bit more uh, and in the middle of a, of a big pack, be more aware. And so those were the two kind of sides of it. Like if the 1500, if you feel like shit, then you know how to dig deep. If you get pushed to the back or you decide to run from the back, the 800 shows you how to be a bit more tactically aware. So that was kind of our, our, our moves throughout the year, but that was kind of, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. But um, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you who my performance from the beasts were. Do you want to know it? uh yeah go for it it was garrett dude oh yeah mate i that was like a big watching that one i was like i was blown away man like he was what last in for yep. the 5k and watching yep. his prelim was one of the most inspiring races i've ever watched oh, like yeah. knowing knowing like how much he's kind of struggled over the last couple of years with like staying healthy and then just loving ripping with the boys and him like just fighting that last hundred. Um, that was pretty awesome. So you, yeah. you've got some big shoes to fill Dave. Yeah, I, I do. Say. But the, the thing that's so great about it is I have someone like Garrett as a resource to like kind of nurture me into that event and to add more Testament on Garrett. Cause he's also my performance of the weekend. He was in the house with Henry and I, he comes in the first thing he says, he's like, this is the big Q house. Yeah. And I just felt like that's that big dog energy that we need. And yeah, he was the last guy and he drove down to the Olympic trials, not knowing if he was going to be in the meet or not. He found out he was in the meet in the Olympic trials of his likely his last Olympic trials on the track. He found yeah. out he was in it 24 hours before the, the first round. And he trained for three weeks as if he was in the trials and he even touched on it. And he's, when he told us, he said like, it's been really hard for me to be motivated for me not to get too sucked into the scratches, the declarations. It's like, he definitely fought demons for the entire buildup for the championships. It's like, he did not get handed anything. And it was probably the hardest buildup out of anyone in that competition because Garrett came out um, the first competition and ran 1325.7.7 off the standard. So he's out as, as of that moment, we go to Portland track festival and we, we run, we're kind of on pace, but we end up not getting it. Garrett faded out, ran like 1330s or something like that. Garrett then decides, okay, shoot, that race was on Sunday or Saturday, maybe. Yeah. 
I'm going to come back and do another 5K to try to run 1325 on the Thursday. And then he was the one that was pressing the pace to get it going and ultimately didn't get it there. So he kept trying to get into the meet, didn't get into the meet until a day before his prelim where he then was a big Q qualifier for the final. Yeah, Absolutely crazy. And that's- If you haven't watched that race, go back and just watch Garrett. Because he put himself in the front, made people hurt. And dude, we we did this one team thing where I, I don't know if you'd mind sharing. I've talked about this before, but Garrett literally says, if you're going to beat me, you're going to have to go to a dark place to do it. Yeah. And I know for a fact, he put some people in a dark place in the first round. <laughs> so yeah, dude, performance in the meet goes to Garrett without a doubt. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously progression in the meet has to go to, has to go to Kidder. Um, oh, that, yeah. that, that was crazy. I think that was, that was a big like kickoff for our team. Yep. Where Kidder's gone through all of his struggles. His, what was his 800 progression this year? Uh, you know, he opened with a 148 high. Yeah, he went like 148, 147, 146, and his first round at the Olympic trials was 145.0. Yeah. That's, I was just like, because I was speaking to Drew about this a couple of days ago, and he's like, yeah, I was sitting in the call room, and then I watched Kidder run that, and I was like, huh, didn't know he had that in him. That means I've got that in me, right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'd like to think you got that. And so, yeah, I think it, it was one of those things where, you know, success is breeding success at these championships. If you get kicked off by a performance like that, like then the people who follow on are, are doing the exact same things. And, you know, watching, watching our, our, you know, big top five performances and yeah, it was just, it was an inspiring meet. And, you know, um, uh, Dave, I, I will say like there was, there was things I was, I was doubtful of you. I was, I'm not going to lie to you. I think there was times where I thought to myself, you know, watching you this year before you ran the first 5k i was like you know he's really struggling i think you know you were mentioning around the steeple chase you were mentioning doing other things and i was like maybe his head's not in it but when you decided to run the 5k and you decided and you told me this you were like i just want to have fun and the first time that you fucking made that dumb thing where danny had to tell you a joke before the start of um the 5k I think it was a massive difference from you where it became less of like, I really hope I don't fuck this up to I'm really enjoying myself and let's go out and see how great I can be. And I think that's a great mind shift for anyone who's, who's in a bit of a rut where they're like, I'm not performing the way that I should be. Well, remember why you're here in the first place. And I think that's what you did really well this year is you went, you know what? I don't even care anymore. Let's just go out there and have some fun and enjoy myself. And I watched your fucking dumbass do all this shit on the start line where you're trying to get the crowd going. I was like, I know he's going to make this run because he's having fun. And it yep. was really, it was really nice to watch from a guy that maybe didn't have the biggest amount of confidence from the first couple of races of the season to finding a distance that will be your home and will, you know, you will find great success at. And then going, you know what? I can actually do this distance that I was doing previously much better because I found this love in another place. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was pretty awesome to watch. I think you can find ins- <laughs> you can find some inspiring races from anyone in our team, and you know some you know some real some real teal- tear jerkers in, in in other departments as well. And it's that's just that's just our team, I guess. It's like very personal, um, and everyone just throws throws themselves at it and that just comes from Danny kind of wearing his heart on his sleeve when it comes to coaching 
we're personal and we're transparent. And I think that's what's really powerful about our team. And what I'll add on that too, to speak on myself is that was my number one priority of the weekend was having fun. And I made it a priority on the start line to smile. Like when they call my name, smile, clap, do exactly that dumb shit that you said you saw. That was literally a race plan for me. I was like, acknowledge this moment and acknowledge the fact that like you're here, you're here to have fun. And the thing is, is like, I do my worst when I put external pressures and stress on myself that doesn't need to be there. Hence is why I also faltered in the final is because I kind of got pulled away from that again. And the race plan could have easily well been go out in last place, kick like you're in a prelim. But like, to me, I was like sixth place and 12th place are the same thing. I was like, if I can put myself in a position and we're onto a good pace, I'm going to be very confident. But when we slipped off that and I got out really hard, I was like, well, screw me. So what I'll add to that though, is like, if, yeah, we're talking about inspiration. I don't want to toot my own horn by any means, but my first 1500 was 344. My second 1500 was 343 at the same facility that I ran the Olympic trials in. I ran 343 and got fifth or fourth in a collegiate heat. Embarrassing. I mean, like it wasn't great. Like I think I closed in like a 61 or 62 or something like that. And then I come out with a 5k. Exactly. And I think you said it best, Josh, is I found a home and I found a love in something else. But ultimately what I was searching for was like having fun. And Danny still tells me to, to it tells me a joke before each of the races and they're getting dumber and dumber, but I laugh every time. Cause I, I want to laugh. I want to make sure that I'm like, Oh, this is not, this is not any bigger than it needs to be. And so coming back, I remember there was an article that I think it was my school after the first round of the prelims. And they said, uh, or the first round of the, what is that? The semis? I don't know. The prelims first round. They said, uh, David Rivich similarly ran the time that he ran here a month ago at the Oregon twilight in the first round. And I was like, out of context, that looks terrible. But in context, I was like, damn right. I just ran the same time. And I ran it completely tactical. The first round we went through in 206, 207. And I legitimately laughed and said, this is 5k pace in my mind. And I said, I'm going to take it 600 out. And so then I did, because I was like, this is not like, this doesn't need to be bigger than it needs to be. Just do, do exactly what you know you can do. And so, yeah, it was fun. Um, it was again, like one of the best weekends of my life, but ultimately if you're listening to this and you are struggling with races, just take a step back and think about why you got into the sport in the first place and what makes the sport so special to you, because we all have different reasons and we all have different aspirations in the sport. But similarly, what we want to do is be successful. We wouldn't do something and we wouldn't put this much effort into anything if we weren't successful so find what makes you successful and live and breathe that me. It's having fun and being me, being every, every inch of my annoying self when I'm on the start line. Like I want to be there with my personality. I race this Sunday. Again, my only race plan is to have fun and tactically make the moves. I wish I would have made in the final, not for redemption, but just for like, this is what I'm, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I love doing. So just do it. Not a, not a Nike slogan. This isn't a paid advertising. Bad time to say <laughs> just that. Just do it. But you know just what I'm saying, happy, Josh? Man. Um, no, I, I just, I, I find that great. And I yeah, think, why didn't I say run happy? Yeah, useless. <laughs> the, um, I think what I've found more recently is I found the definition of a, a, an elite athlete to being like a world beer. I think that if you can enter a race and race the way that you would race any race. So if you go to the Olympic championships and race the way that you raced the big friendly three, you're a world-class athlete. If you're not phased by the people in the race, then the, the, you're, you're a metal potential. Because like, if you look at the likes of Chariot, he'll race the same way. And mm -hmm. it's not because 
it's the only he's ran 143 he's ran a really really good 5k like a 13 low 5k and he's ran 328 he doesn't need to run the way he does but he runs it because he gets results and he's like you know what if i'm in a diamond league if i'm in you know team ingerbitson versus the team chariot or if i'm in the olympic final i will run this way because this is what works for me but if you start like if you go through the rounds and you go well i'm gonna run it this way and then i'm gonna run it this way and then i'm gonna run it this way and you're just being affected by all these people in the race. Yeah, you have to to a certain extent. But if you can turn up with the same amount of confidence, then you're not being phased by the situation. And you go out and do what's best for you rather than being affected by the other people. And I don't know why I'm telling you this, because hopefully none of my competition are hearing this. And you will continue to be affected by my fucking races. So you sit there and, sh- and shut up. But I think one of my highlights of the, of the meet, if we're changing back, is um, of my meet was... So Jake Whiteman's dad's on on the like um he's the broadcaster. Yeah, he's the broadcaster. So you can hear him in the stadium. And so when Whiteman walked out for his first round, I think he he was getting introduced and it was like, and Jake Whiteman, who's been here for nine years straight and still hasn't won a championship. <laughs> I was like, that's so funny. That is um, awesome. But yeah, it was uh it was yeah. The trials, man. Interesting the trials. time. I mean, they'll make or break you. Um and, and you got to switch on in some big moments, but at the end of the day, like stay true to yourself and you'll accomplish what you want to accomplish. Um, we've spent a lot of time talking about this, Josh. So I'm almost thinking we, we yeah. were good with everything we could. I almost think that we could not even talk about that. Let's just go straight into the fan submitted questions. Let's just make yeah. this a big soapbox and some fun and games. So um, if you want to open up the, the Instagram um, yeah. and pull up some of those questions, I'll do a quick blurb. Um, so yeah, we currently opened our reimbursements for, uh, race submissions. If you guys raced, send us a reimbursement on our website. We'll pay you back. As long as you give us a picture proof that you're in that race, we want to make sure that we both have evidence and then also promotion. Like we want to be able to use you guys for our own promotion. We we're going to use you. You guys are models. You're beautiful. You're beautiful people. Um, so just send us those photos. Um, what are you laughing at? What are you smiling about, Josh? Did you kick me off the Instagram? Oh, I Again. didn't. I changed. I changed the passcode, and I don't think it'd be great to tell you the passcode over this. But it's is what it the it, same what, one? Is it the same? It's the same passcode? one. Double, double. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's I see if you, you can get in on off that. Um, but yeah, so we our reimbursement form is up. You guys are welcome to submit that. We pay you back, and we lose our money. And then we, yes, I myself and our designer Julian are going to be launching a Josh Kerr exclusive shirt for this upcoming championship. You have the gear to kick in. Now you're going to have the gear to sit in. That's our motto. It's not going to be um, sports equipment. It's not going to be a racing singlet. It's literally a shirt that you will wear in a lounge scenario to watch people pursue their dreams. And on it, over the heart, is going to be our big man, Josh Kerr. It's going to have sit and kick, and it's going to have a little flag and you could probably guess what national flag that will be. Um, but it's going to be really exciting. And I'm pretty sure I can talk about everything about the Olympics since I'm not actually in it. Um, but I'm just trying to stay true to the, the rule 40 there. Um, but yeah, that's going to be super exciting. It's going to be $32 because it's the 32nd Olympiad and we like to play on words like that. So just know that that shirt ill is, and will be coming out leading up to the championship race. We're really, really hoping that it'll be done and sent to you so you can be wearing it during our friends competition. Um, did you pull up the questions? Yeah, I got it. I was able to log in first attempt. All right. First attempt. You got that pass code. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and answer a question, Josh, while you kind of scan through. Um, there's one that was pretty funny. Um, it was which team is harder to make. We answered that. Um, 
we're going to go to we have answered quite a lot of these questions we have we have yeah um dave what were you thinking the final straightaway in the semifinals this is actually super funny because i think in the moments of panic if you're super composed you're going to be really successful and the entire race of the second round i mean i had craig angles yared um a variety of people in that i mean colby alexander um vincent ciotti um and my number one race plan was one avoid eric holt and that's no offense to him, but the guy is a wild card in that his form. I was like, I don't want to tangle with anyone. And if there's one person I really don't want to tangle with, it's Eric Holt, because he'll likely slay me on the ground like the Hulk. And you know that part in the, the Marvel movie where Loki's at the end of the, the Hulk arm and he's getting smashed back and forth? That's what I imagine would happen to me if I ran into the Eric Hulk, right? So that was a race plan. But the biggest race plan, the one thing that I knew, and like I told my sports psych this, which is really cool, segue. I met with my sports like in person for the first time in between the first and the second round. And that was super cool. So we had coffee and we talked about everything that we would talk about in a normal session. So that was really awesome. And she asked what my race plan was. And my answer was, I'm going to make one move. I'm going to see the move and I'm going to make it. And folks, that move was with 65 meters to go. And it was probably the scariest, riskiest and most fun moment I've had in a race where I saw Craig looking to his right and I knew he was going to open a gap. So I rode the rail knowing that that would open and hoping that that would open. And when it did open, took the line and watching that race over, it definitely was a lot more narrow than I thought it would be. But when he made, when Craig made the move to try to, to win the heat and open that lane for me, I knew I was going to make the round. I just didn't know how close it would be. And it was very close. Um, and I got it with the lean. It was super fun. Um, but what I was thinking down the straightaway was this is your one move that you wanted to make. So you have to make it now. So pretty fun. That's pretty cool. I like yep. that. Josh. So, so do, do, does uh, your sports site live in Oregon or something? No. So they were actually, they live in Northern Arizona, but they're traveling to Canada. Um, mm-hmm. So they were on like the commute up and they stopped there for the day um, and they were there for the trials as well. So we just met up and, and she walked me through some of the stuff that we've talked about and worked on since March 6th. And so, yeah, it was really, really cool to finally meet her. Sweet. Yeah. Sad Notre Dame boy got the third spot instead of Josh. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Are they talking Josh Thompson? Are they talking Josh Kerr? Folks, Josh is not American. So he, yeah, he did not make the American team. Josh didn't even make the American final. That's a great thing. I'll always have, have over Josh. I made the U.S. Olympic trials final. Don't tell me what you did after that, Josh. Don't tell me about that. You can tell me that on uh, August 7th. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try and find one that's more of a question. Uh, Oh, Josh, why weren't you wearing the beast singlet at the trials? Oh yeah, this is super dumb. So uh, we have to wear our our first acclaimed club vest, um, which for me is Edinburgh AC. And so, yeah, we're we're not allowed to um, wear our sponsors' vests. We have to wear our first acclaimed um, club vest or um, our national vest, which is like our either our Scotland vest or our GB vest. Our GB vest is Nike, so a lot of Nike athletes wear the G, like Team GB stuff uh, or not Team G, uh, the Great Britain stuff, um, because that's kind of a our loop run. But like a day before the meet, they came out and told us that we're allowed to have us have two sponsors on our shirt. Nice. So I think next year I'm able to like sew on like a Brooks. Oh, like a sit and kick little emblem. Sure. Yeah, I think I'd be able to do that actually because I only have I have zero sponsors on my singlet right now. So yeah, I was able to wear the Brooks shorts, but that's about it really. Um, ask how he feels about Tim Chariot making the team due to second anti-doping tests. 
Oh, did I thought you made the team because the other person didn't have enough anti-doping tests. Yeah, I think that. And also, I just think with Chariot's performances, it was just like an executive decision. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't know the, specula- the speculatory conversation around Chariot's selection. Um, I didn't really follow that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like I was I was hoping he got selected because I, I genuinely believe I can beat him. Um, and also, him being in the race keeps it from a couple of couple of uh nobodies winning the olympic olympic final in 350 um and that's just not really how it should be run this year um all right and then on another one um uh oh wait this is this is this is a good one. Oh wait why is my buttons not working i have all this fancy technology and none of it's working um here it is who is going to be better at the 5k come the next olympic <laughs> cycle david or josh Josh, you want to go ahead and answer this one? Oh, you want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I'll go. Um, Dave has a great potential in the 5K. That's awesome. I am better than him at the 5K. Not awesome. Dave has has his biggest opportunity to beat me over the distance of 5,000 meters that is no guarantee that that will happen because he had 0% chance of beating me over the 1500 meters. Uh, I really hope this fuels his fire. This guy, man, I got an all new fun confidence. You better watch out, Josh. When we get on the line, I'm going to be clapping in your face. I'm going to be hoorah. And you're going to be like, Oh, I'm Josh. I'm going to launch here. And I'm going to be like, F you, man. I'm going to have some fun. (laughs) We couldn't be more different. Yeah. I just think that we're, the way that you would beat me if we went one-on-one is you'd have to take it out hard and you're not going to drop me. And so if we're in a race, I can, you should have beaten me in the 5k we ran to be you should honest. Have. I mean, and if I, if I had some help not doing 3000 meters of work, it didn't, I think, it, I think, I think my way to beat you right now, this is without the preparation of actually thinking about having to beat you. I just have to do one cheeky move to get past you and catch you off guard. And then, you'll be like, oh, shoot, that move would have been the move that if I would have just stayed with him or if I would have just been aware, then I would have beat him. Because, I mean, it's going to happen. You've never lost to a teammate, Josh, but I cannot wait to be that guy. I can't wait wait to be that guy that takes you down for the first time. And I'm just sitting here on the podcast in 2038, like, oh, and I beat Josh (laughs) Kerr. I'm going to be honest right now, like, I wouldn't try me right now because I'm in some disgusting shape, but I, I would say in October time, you could be in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I know you're in some disgusting shape. I haven't talked to you about your workouts, but the fact that you put a gold chain on and you want to look like me knows you're in some disgusting shape. So go ahead and hit another one. Um, Dave, will you be racing through the summer? Yeah, I will be racing through the summer. Um, I have a, a race this Sunday on July 18th. I will be at the sound running race. I'll be doing a 1500 meters against a good, good group of boys, all American, except Nick Willis. Um, and then I'll go into the Pittsburgh mile with Craig. Um, I think he's in that. Um, that'll be on July 23rd. And then I'll be doing the Murphy meet on the 14th of August. That'll be a three K. And then right now we're kind of waiting to see back on a silver label meet in Switzerland, which is a three K and then a five K in Roberto, Italy on the 30th of August. Um, so you're going to Europe? Uh, I, if I can get into a silver level 5K, that's the only one that's really available after pre-classic, and I won't get into that. And so that'll be the big option. And then I'll likely end my year at Fifth Ave. So I'll be in New York on the 12th of September. Nice. Um, so, yes, I will be racing. That's great. 
Josh said he's going to be yeah. running in the really cool competition un- under the sun. Uh, do you, some of these I don't really want to answer. What did you guys think of Farah's 10K being put on and his fail at qualifying? Did you watch any of that stuff? I did not watch any of it. All I saw was he failed to do so. Yeah, so pretty much he ran that 10K against Mark Scott, um, little friend of the show. And Mark, Mark beaten. I think they both kind of didn't feel great. And but Mark kind of bowed his way through it and already had the qualifying time. Farah didn't have the qualifying time, lost the mark, didn't run it at the trial. Then the British Champs has never had a 10K, like they do at a different event every year. And but they ended up putting on like an international 10K event um within the trials. And he didn't run the qualifying standard. And if I'm being honest, like him having an event put on for him, it's fine with me. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, that like he gets special treatment. Yeah, he's a double gold medal, or I don't know how many freaking gold medals he's got from the Olympics, but or from a major championships. Uh, but I can understand them putting on a meet for him. They yeah. want him on the team, like it's a massive um, experience boost to even just have him around, even if he's not going to win the 10K and it'd be good for his career. But also at the same time, like um, that's a hard back to back. Like he's going to have a really tough time coming back from trying to run a 10K to then going again. But yeah, I don't know. I just, it is what it is. I think his time may have passed. I think he came out and said that he, uh, he told himself if he wasn't going to, dominate then he shouldn't be doing it so and i think he might have decided that that time has passed unless he's going to have another crack at the, the yeah after the but, first after the first 10k too he said there's a lot of great young bucks coming up um for the uk charlie grice jake whiteman uh dustin oliver all those guys he said all good good guys um but never mentioned our our, our lad but that's okay that's fine that's jo- okay. josh is going to a competition that he's not so we'll, we'll leave it at that um now we're gonna go this is an interesting question. Um, I don't know how loaded it is or how you want to answer this, Josh, but does Josh think he would, he could have won the trials if he was in central situation? Well, as old as he is? No. Um, if you watch the race over, Centro made a massive move with like 300 out and put an entire gap on the rest of the field. And then the only person to close down on him was Cole. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I... I I mean, Cole at the end of the day is only around 235. Um, I think he can run a lot faster than that. I think he has a great kick. You know, I'm, I'm excited to race these guys. I've never raced Cole um, or in a goose. And we all know what happens when I race Centro. So, yeah, I think if you if you put me in that in the US race scenario, I probably wouldn't have raced it that way. Um, but you know, everyone's different. And I think it's just such a packed, it's a packed field that, you know, a lot of people had the standards. So there was, I'm sure some apprehension across the field being like, Oh, well, you know, just waiting for other people and, and waiting for other people's mistakes. But yeah, it's an interesting situation. That's why the 1500 is so fun to watch is like, yeah, you know, when everything's at stake and August 7th comes up and you guys are sitting there watching, uh, watching the final, then, you know, it doesn't matter how much shit you talk on Instagram, how many follows you got on Instagram, how many races you've ran this year, how fast you've run this year. It's going to come down to who's got the balls and who's going to absolutely throw everything at it. And and I think that's what's going to make Chariot's not going to run away with it. And Je- uh, Jacob is not going to run away with it. I can, tr- I can promise you that it's not going to be a dominant performance like it was in 19. 
because um, there's a there's a depth to the 1500 now where people are starting to catch up to him a little bit. And if he runs the way he ran in 19, he's going to have some bodies with him. And that's that's going to be a whole, di- <clears throat> whole different scenario. Sorry, I got something stuck in my throat. Scenario. It's called confidence. It's called balls, son. It's called ba- you got balls stuck in your throat? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. I got multiple. Multiple sets. Multiple. Just kicking around in my body, getting ready to be thrown down. In there. This is probably one of the more explicit episodes we've had. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to put any of the videos down. <laughs> no, I mean, we're sure it's all talking about balls in our throats, um, which is okay. Totally cool. Totally all right. But okay, we look like chumps, which is two dudes with chains and <laughs> glasses. I'm in a bucket hat over headphones. Um, Dude, I was going to get a chain that said protein on it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the stupidest thing that you've done this week. Um, yeah. All right. I think that honestly kind of wraps up most of the questions submitted. There are a lot about like the upcoming championships, but um, we're again trying to avoid that with Rule 40. So we're not going to really go into that. Um, Josh, is there anything that you want to kind of end, the, end the, the, the episode on? support me send me some send me some love on instagram i'm gonna try and you know i've been really um quiet <coughs> see i can't even speak he's, quiet he's on social media just because head down trying to get my work in trying to be smart trying to be you know super just enjoy the moment rather than try and document it just kind of be in that moment uh like i didn't even go to my kitten out like i i, I kind of came back here put my head down and got back to work um so yeah, I'm gonna try and be a little bit more um, documenting the experience of going over there and and having some fun and and going over there to to do a good job. So yeah, just just come along for the journey, really, and and you know, give me some give me some love, and uh, and hopefully I'll bring home some bring home some uh, some silverware. Hopefully not silverware. Goldenware. Hopefully not. Oh, yeah, some. <laughs> yeah um cool so yeah guys like kind of what josh is saying like interact with him interact with us um what we want to do is try to create a really great community around the upcoming championships um and previously stated there will be someone coming on to co-host an episode with me where we'll actually break down the fields and we'll have the full talk of the upcoming show because we can do that um she is on a tear she's running wicked fast right now um she's an american and if the person that you thought in your head is who I'm talking about. You're hundred percent correct. And so we're going to, we're going to bring her on and she's going to give a bunch of insight about her previous championships down there in uh, Rio 2016. And we're going to talk about the upcoming one. So Sick. yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this one. If um, anything that we said offended you, um, it was probably because you need to get your ass in gear and then start getting really good at the sport that you love. So um, the balls out your throat get the balls out of your throat and get to work. Um, yeah. So Josh, you want to name the episode? We're probably not going to name the episode, get the balls out of your throat and get to work. So <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we just, maybe we just leave it out a whole trials and smile kind of scenario. Yeah. Something boring like that. Something boring like that. How, how sit and kick both won and got last in their final. First or last. It's the taking part that counts. First. <laughs> It's not first or last. It's first and last. First and last. It's the taking part that counts. It's a participation trophy that counts. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I'll think of something catchy and just post it. All right. How about this? I'm going to say three, two, one. And both of us are going to say the first thing that comes to our head. And that's oh, going to be no. the, And that's not going to be the name of the episode, but I want to do it anyway. 
All right, ready? Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Champion. Gold chains and boys. Yeah. <laughs> dominance, protein. Protein, dominance. Uh, Q outro. It's a, a slow, meandering affair. He wants to kick. He's got to go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage.